Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to take a bite out of the competition? Are you looking for ideas to make your business better? Welcome to the Core Business Show with Tim G.K. Sponsored by Apple Capital Group. At the core of every successful business, you'll find people making a difference. And with each episode of The Core Business Show, we talk with those people, examine those ideas, and explore the strategies that make them special. Now, the host of The Core Business Show, Tim Jacquet. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Core Business Show. I'm Tim Jacquet, your host. Today, we're going to talk about independent filmmaker and director Warren Pereira. Uh, if you want to speak to him, you can give us a call at 347-324-3460, 347-324-3460, or you can post a question in the chat room and can read it on the air. Well, Warren, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you. Thanks, Tim. Thank you. I guess, you know, our audience like to hear personal stories about uh, our guests. So if you don't mind, tell us, uh, tell us your story. Where are you from? How, do you get, how did you get started? Uh, well, I'm originally actually from uh, Bombay, India, which is now called Mumbai. But I but I um, I moved. I finished high school in Toronto. Then I went and got my bio degree at Lewis and Clark in Portland, Oregon. And I didn't really like, you know, my job options with the bio degree. You know, you have to maybe go get a PhD and do a lab job or something. And and I've always been interested in film. And so first I got a little bit into acting classes. But I went on a couple auditions, and I hated being so incredibly out of control because that's your position as an actor where, you know, you're in other people's hands. So I said, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm more of a control freak, so uh, <laughs> I want to actually make these movies, you know, and, and I, I can still act in them if I want to. And, and so I uh, went to film school, and, and I just decided I was going to make, um, you know, a short film every year for about three or four years, and you know, festival them, see what happens, and if it goes well, I'll continue. If it doesn't, you know, I'll do something more practical, you know. And um, and so that's what I did. I ended up doing five short films in five years, and they kept getting better and better, more festivals, more awards. And I qualified for the Oscars um, for the last three short films. I got into some major film festivals like Cannes and LA International and and so then I just decided to uh, to stick with it, you know. Wow. So tell us about that journey uh, from you deciding from a uh, not going pursuing your your academic career going to something that's totally left field. That right. moment of passion. What did you say to yourself, and what did you say to your parents? Say, hey, I want to be a filmmaker. Um, you know, I, I looked, I, I took at it, looked at it pretty, in a pretty, um, serious way, you know, like that wasn't, you know, I, I think other, other people may look at it as, as more, I don't know, flamboyant or not really, you know, some vagary about what people really do in this industry. But I, I just, I was very attracted to, to, well, one, one being able to be very technically precise because, you know, your direction is about that, but then at the same time, it's very creative. So that kind of combination is a rare combination in any industry. So I, I definitely like that. And, um, you know, I, I just, like I said, I wanted to, to try it out. You know, and I, and I did end up going to film school. I didn't learn that much from film school, but, you know, I did get that. So, 
you know, the worst case scenario of all fails, I'll do infomercials and say I went to film school, you know. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, but, yeah, but I, I just I just decided to do it and, and get serious about it, and, and it's not easy, um, you know, and, and there's still a lot, of, a lot of struggles, and I'm still not really where I want to be exactly, but, um, you know, it's, it's something that I enjoy doing. I actually, you know, the kids talk about enjoying the process, and, there's processes about filmmaking that I don't like, but there's many of them that I really do like. And and that that definitely keeps me going more than anything. Well, does, you know, filmmaking, uh, does that leave you really exposed? You really have to shoot from your soul to tell the story to make people understand where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Well, you're, you are exposed if you're trying to be an independent filmmaker with original content because then you're basically saying, look, I'm trying this, and there's a, there's a possibility that it will not work. It, there's an overwhelming possibility that it will not work because, one, you're a no-name, and if you're doing something original, there may or may not be a pre-established audience, you know, unless you're choosing um, a topic that uh, is already in the social consciousness. If you're doing something about Hitler or, you know, something that people already know of. So, but if, in my case, I've, I've done mostly things that are not um, already that embedded in the social consciousness. And so that's been a little risky. But at the same time, I think if you stick with that and eventually you get recognized, then it, then it becomes more compelling and unique of a genre because you've done something different. Um, but, yeah, as far as being exposed, I, I think that's definitely an issue. But I, I think that's some, maybe even a bigger issue for even for actors who are trying to expose themselves, you know, um, in a role that, that they may or may not, you know, be sure what they're doing. So I think that's, that's just the nature of the industry. You kind of go for it and you, and you see what happens and, you are, and the audience um, decides, you know. At least it's not like live theater where they could like, throw something at you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, the yeah. moments of Apollo. So, yeah. you know, this is a really, really visual. Tell us about uh, film school. Did it really help you, or did it hurt you, or you really need the techniques out of film school uh, in order to to do what you do? Um, I, I think I think it can help people, and I, I think it, I think it can help people who are who, who want to be part of the industry in you know in a, in a specific role like visual effects or you know um, editorial or you know or, or some something something specific like that where. Um, you know, you're going to go get into the industry, like the TV industry, or, or you know, or, or you, or you may not, or you may want to take a more like safer route, where you're like, look, I, I don't want to be, you know, a new director coming up with stuff. I want to get in on someone else's projects, and so then that's it's a prerequisite, uh, you know, to have this degree in a way. Like, look, I have a degree. It gives you this this sort of um, positioning when you apply for a job, but. I, I think on the other hand, you know, if you're an original writer-director, you may just learn more um, just watching Blu-ray commentaries and just trying to go out there and, like, make movies for your own and buy gear of your own and, and just go and do all that stuff. And I, I can't answer for sure because there's many things I'm sure I learned in film school that I don't realize, um, you know, that I that I that have helped me out. And so I don't want to say it didn't help me. I mean, the specific things I can think of was just a couple of professors. You know, I, I had um, one professor there, Colin O'Neill, and another one, Janet McIntyre, who were very encouraging. And so I definitely 
felt that they helped me just on an emotional level because they're very encouraging what I was doing. And uh, and then there was, um, you know, some technical things, you know, like, um, you know, while at the time the whole thing was like where everyone was moving to HD, so what, what HD camera to use. I remember not knowing anything about the new Panasonic Veracam, which now is like, you know, pretty nothing camera, but at the time it was a huge deal. And um, and I remember asking, you know, one of my professors about that. So in that sense, um, you know, I, I did benefit, but I, I don't think it's uh, – hundred percent requirement like like other fields, you know? Mhm. Um, yeah. Wow. So what we're gonna do is real quick, we're gonna take a short break and uh be back in a moment with Warren. Uh talk more about uh your projects that you have down the pipeline and your latest project. Be back in one moment, we'll take a commercial break. You listen to the core business show. You're listening to the core business show, sponsored by Apple Capital Group. Apple Capital Group in Jacksonville, Florida, is a commercial lender that specializes in asset-based loans, equipment leasing and financing, invoice financing, commercial real estate loans, and asset-based financing in the U.S. and Canada. Apple Capital Group is a direct lender that lends on their private equity investment portfolio. 90% of most loans are decided within two hours, and vendor funding within 24 hours after documents are completed with a one-page application. No slow no's, just a quick decision and a fast yes. To get more information about lending from Apple Capital Group, call 866-611-7457. That's 866-611-7457 to speak with one of our loan specialists. Or visit us right now at applecapitalgroup.com. Welcome back to The Core. Once again, here's Tim Jacquet. Well, we're talking about film, uh, to independent film director, uh, Warren. Warren, tell us about this industry as a whole. Is it really, really difficult to to, uh, to get into, or uh, you are you going to really have your work cut out for you? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it is a very difficult industry. Um, I, I think it's, um, you know, it's, it's attractive because there's. Um, this dynamism associated with oh well you can make it overnight and you can you know have such incredible success you know creatively with with money you know with fame et cetera but those are the sort of external perception when you get inside of it so it's 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 pretty competitive and 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 quite humbling um i i think it's you know I, the more, the easier way to go would be again have a specific skill and and get into the industry doing that like let's say if you were a guy that was really amazing in color correction, but you wanted to be, you know, a writer or a director or a producer or whatever, something else, then maybe you go spend two or three years at a color house and, you know, do that, and that's like your base job to get in and, and get your relationships established, and then you go and do something else that you want to do later. Um, but on the other hand, there's a variety of jobs. There's an increasing amount of production because of web video now. So there's, they do need more... Um, film technicians in all areas of the business more than ever, and I think it's you know it's it's a great industry because of what it what it does to you. You know, if you watch a good movie, uh, you, you you come out of the theater just feeling great. You know, I mean, I, I remember watching um, Slumdog Millionaire like two three years ago whenever it came out, and I was kind of having a slow day and I was a little tired and I didn't even know what the hell the film was. And I was just told to go watch it and 
it was in the early phases where no one, the way the buzz wasn't really huge, and and I came out of it just like alive, and I felt I was like, wow, you know, I'm so happy to be in this business, and you just feel so moved. Um, and I was at Con Film Festival last year, and I I saw uh, this must be the place, which I don't think it's been released in the U.S. yet. I, for some reason, they stalled the um, the release, but. Um, I, I remember watching that film too, and 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 uh, you know I, I came out of there just like thinking, wow, I just love this business. You know, it can really change um, your mood, it can change your perspective, it can give you information, uh, it can be so stimulating. It, it's it's great films are great to talk about. Like my favorite thing is going and watching a film with someone who's really like a film buff, one of my friends, and then discussing it. You know, sometimes those discussions get really passionate because you don't agree or whatever. You know, and um, so. I don't, I don't know if I answered your question or not, but that's, that's, I, I think it's a good industry and there's a lot of opportunity for it right now, but it is also difficult. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, at least you have uh, the upcoming Everybody Needs a Video, so like there is an yeah. increase, uh, so that's a good thing. Right. Talk about film projects yourself. I mean, you've done several film projects in the last five years. The biggest mm-hmm. thing uh, has always been financing. How can a, a director get the financing? I mean, you just constantly have to sell yourself and present your plan. Kind of tell us about that yeah, journey. I mean, once you have an idea. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you know it, it is difficult. It is and it is an internal question. But you know, on the independent level, um, you're usually dealing with private equity, right? So you're going to an individual person, and that could be whoever your friend or your mom's friend or your mom or your dad or or whoever, right? Um, or some guy that likes your work and or you do a fundraiser, et cetera, or there's online avenues now like Kickstarter.com and places like that where people have had success. Uh, but you have to be one of those people, if you're doing Kickstarter, who's like, you know, shameless, who's going to bug everyone on Facebook for like, you know, six months about it, you know. And, and uh, that's not easy for me to do, but I'm just saying that's an option for people. Um, if you get into the studio system, you know, then they have their own financing. And they even have independent financing, you know, for those types of feature films that are, that are in this category called independent, which is such a gray area now, so what independent film is. And then in that scenario, there's just, like, funds allocated with, a, with an established um, distribution network and distribution relationships. And then you're much more in a guaranteed position to have your film actually have some kind of life. But on the other hand, um, you may get a lot of creative interference, and you may not have any control of whether your your film gets into a theater or not or gets shelved and goes straight to video. Um, so those are sort of the general um, options, you, you know, for to actually kind of make something that costs something, you know. Wow. Do you think uh, as we're going from a cable system and a satellite system to a Internet system, as we mm-hmm. uh improve our techniques of getting uh, uh, communication, things like uh, uh, fiber optics optics into people's homes, that's going to change Mm -hmm. the industry because now they have more choices. They they don't need cable anymore. They don't like satellite anyway, uh, Mm -hmm. in one sense. Mm -hmm. But they can just stream everything in. They don't need all this other stuff. And like Mm -hmm. they said, they'll cut the wires. And then you have more control. Do you see that's going to happen eventually in the next five or ten years? Yeah, I mean it's it's, Which, it's already happening. It's already happening right now. I mean, you know, the home video market. I mean, disc media is still still dominant in the home video market. I mean, DVD 
is still the top, but it's going away. I mean, you know, I really love Blu-ray discs and, um, you know, because of the quality, but a lot of people, um, you know, are not too concerned about the quality and then they like the convenience of being able to stream something immediately or, or you know, download on iTunes or whatever. And I, I definitely see that because people, it's easier. It's, it's, uh, it appears cheaper, even though in many cases it's not. Um, and and it, uh, the quality difference is something that the general public, uh, you know, are kind of they don't even they don't see it or it doesn't matter to them or whatever. Uh, for me personally, I, I'd love if everyone watched home video on Blu-ray discs, right? Because the quality is is tremendous, and um, you know you're getting pretty close to what the filmmaker's master format was. Um, but even theaters, you know, are changing, you know, to from there, what their system used to be all film projection, they're going to like to digital now and, and, and obviously it's not streaming but it's coming into a drive and, and they do something called um a digital cinema package, which is you know, D C P is the acronym. Um and that's changed too and um and I don't think most people are aware of it. They they just they, they think it's digital and think it's better and, and uh, in most cases that projection is pretty high quality. Um, so yeah, I think that I think the industry is definitely changing. I think I think streaming's a reality. I think uh, getting things on the internet's a reality. You buy a new Blu-ray disc player today, if it's you know even somewhat high end, it's going to have a built-in streaming capacity for YouTube or Netflix or Hulu or both. And um, most people are going to be like, yeah, I've got it right there. I don't need to get a disc anymore. I just stream the films, you know. So. I think it's a good thing in terms of people are going to watch more movies, um, I, I, but I'd like to see the quality improve because I've seen it and it's not that great right now. You know. So you're talking about the quality of the uh, the technical the, side the of quality, or the quality the of the production and, and, and the audio because in order to stream anything you have to compress the file, right? And and mm-hmm. so even even if something is is sold at HD, that means it has a certain number of lines of resolution. The, the bit rate, the amount of information coming per second is drastically reduced because, you know, they have to stream it. And then the system would shut down if you tried to, you know, it's just like me sending you a JPEG. I can't send you like a 100 megabyte JPEG and you'll look better. I'll have to send you something one megabyte or under. Um, and so, you know, you can tell the compression is there. You know, there's, there's artifacting, there's, you know, colors are not quite right. Uh, but it's definitely getting better. I mean, even YouTube now has a, a 1080p setting, which is way better than what it was like three years ago. So, you know, I'm just saying if you compare it to a Blu-ray disc, um, if you put them A and B side by side, you would see a difference. Maybe it doesn't matter if you see just one of them on their own, you know? Mm-hmm. Tell us about the, your current projects. Uh, I know you have a project right now. Uh, that's going on. I'm not sure. Is, is, has it been released yet? Oh, the English project? Yeah, the Are one... The... Uh, uh, my uh, pad just went out of power. I can't believe it. Uh, but no. anyway, it was something about bath and honey, bathe and honey. Oh, bathing and honey, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's, that's a feature film, uh, and I I finished that script finally. It took me two years. I don't think I would ever finish it. Um, and and I've been you know I I I've just been sending it around to a few people that I that I trust, um, couple of actor friends of mine, Ethan Dwight Reddit, my uh, producer friend of mine, Phoenix Reddit, and I just um, 
I like the strip. I got some feedback. I'm going to maybe uh, make some of those changes. And it's it's in an early uh, financing period. I'm, But I'm really kind of nervous and cautious about going about it just because uh, even once the financing is in place and, and it ends up being, you know, I think it's going to end up being a good movie because you know, I, I, I think I've done a good job with the script. And so there's a lot of variables now. But if, even if all that goes in a place, there's all these, issues about, okay, well, are we going to get into this festival, and is someone going to pick up the film, you know, is it possible to get some level of a pre-distribution guarantee, all those kind of things, and so the, the phase that it is in right now is it's open for financing, and um, I've got a few leads, I've got some initial financing, and I'm hoping to get all that uh, done, you know, this year and next so I can shoot next fall. Um, it's set in Portland, and I'd, I'd love to shoot in the fall because Portland's beautiful in the fall, and most mm-hmm. of those scenes can be shot in that in that weather. Um, and so, so yeah, so that's what's going on about that. And um, I guess to summarize, it's a, it's a romantic crime drama. It looks at a professor's life, who's Professor Jay, who's caught in this marriage with his wife Laura, which is kind of going is a stagnating existence that's. Um, safe, um, but is not very passionate. He ends up falling into this uh, lust and love with um, his student, Melissa, who is very licentious and has all kinds of dangerous and exciting things going on in her life. And, um, you know, and that's how the film unfolds, you know. Wow. We actually pull this all together you actually you say you send this out to some people to get they they feed on anything you need to change and then you present these to an, an equity group and to see if they finance the project is that the process yeah i mean that yeah yeah that's that's the procedure you know i'm fo- i'm following I'm, I'm also just putting together a producer's unit now and and doing something what we call a private place or memorandum which is just some uh, formal paperwork that you just have to do if you want to do the film right. And, um, but, yeah, but that's, that's the process. The part about reading the script was just people that I trust that are going to look at it and, you know, and if it sucks, they're going to tell me it sucks. So that's like a personal thing for me to get through my script. Um, I mean, it has a professional result, but, but that's a separate issue from the issue of financing, where, um, which I'm going to go about it like, you know, like a business. You know, where you present the, the investor package, the, the the risks associated, and the terms. You know, last in, first out, whatever the whatever the um, investor wants. Um, so that, but that's all in um, you know an initial phase right now, and um, it's it's going fine for where it's at. But you never know, you know, how these things go. You know. Mhm. Wow. <laughs> Talk about some of the other projects you've done in the past as well. Um, uh, some of the sure. ones we might have made the festivals. Uh know you have a lot, so just kind of share with us for a moment uh, the, your other projects you've made in the past. Well, yeah, I, I basically, you know, I made five short films with with a pretty, like with a feature film sort of mentality, especially especially the latter ones, you know, where I, took, well, I went through the whole professional workflow of, uh, you know, doing proper pre-production and casting and shooting on a, uh, you know, like a high-level format and, uh, you know, going through audio posts in a, in a stage 
going through uh, color grading in, you know, in, in a DI suite or DaVinci room, and then actually going and making 35 prints for you know, Oscar qualification festivals. So that's kind of what I, what I did just to get almost like a training for what it would be like to do a feature so I'm not coming in overwhelmed. Um, and those short films, um, they're, they're, uh, they're available for sale on Amazon right now. So if someone wants to see them, you know, go ahead and buy a disc. They're funny. <laughs> um, they, they, um, they're mostly about aesthetic obsession, I would say. That, that's been a topic through most of them. Uh, mm-hmm. Lovely Coffee, Lovely Coffee was about romance um, as well, but there was still this element of aesthetic obsession. I guess I was obsessed with that myself at the time, and found it humorous to write about. And um, and they're they're, they're dialogue focused uh, relationship comedies, which I w- wanted to focus on then, but also thought was strategic because that is something you can do at a high level without a without a giant cost because. You know, you're not blowing up like a building or something. You're having two people talk in a room. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of what they're about. And they went through the festival circuit, like a whole year of festivals, and they they won you know awards. I can't even remember all the awards now because I'm kind of done with that process. But um, they're on my blog. My my blog is is uh, warrenperera.blogspot.com, and there's an archive of. Uh, pretty much every festival I ever got into and every award I've gotten. And um, if anyone's interested, they can check it out. Wow. So what's that website again? Uh, Well, my website is wfilms.biz, and that connects to my blog. So I guess that would be the best way to do it. Or or if you just typed in my name, Warren Pereira, I'm sure my blog will come up in one of the Google searches. Okay. Uh, we have a question here regarding uh, film schools. Uh, there are several film schools throughout the country. Uh, Art Institute has some as well. What advice do you give to a person who maybe not want to be a director but will like to do promotional videos and so forth? Uh, what schools do you direct them to go to? Are are there any top film schools that they uh, that will help them credentially? in the academics, or can the Art Institute, for example, just take them at random, uh, can satisfy that as a film school as well? Well, I, I think the most important thing, whether you go to film school or which film school to go, is the work. You know, I think the actual work you do is, is the most important thing. And I, I think certainly having, you know, NYU or AFI, USC or UCLA, then those schools certainly have reputations. There's no question about that, but but again, you know, there, it doesn't matter too much if you, you know, what school you go to. If, if your work is really good, now if the school is like awful and you know you hate being in the city and they have no gear, I mean that's a problem. But but going to, like I went to the Art Institute of Portland and and you know it, it was fine, you know, for gear and the environment and it's in the Polo District in Portland. It was a great, you know, neighborhood and you know, I like professors and all that and so. I mean, I, that, that's, that would be my, my question. I'm answering some of this through extrapolation, some of it through experience, because obviously I haven't been to all those film schools. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but but that's, that's, um, there's a reputation. But, you know, for me, uh, as, as a, you know, when you're in, like I'm in L.A. right now, you, know, you, you go meet someone and they said, oh, well, you know, I was at NYU or AFI or whatever. And, and you know, I don't really care. You know, I, I, I would rather look, I want to see what they've done. Now, for me, when I'm casting, 
for a movie, um, and I don't know the actor or the actress, it does help me a little bit to know that they went to NYU. You know, I'm like, okay, so you've been through some actual real training. You, you know, it, it's a pretty intensive training program for the actors over there. And, you know, they got okay. Meisner or something on their resume. That's something that I can relate to because I'm also a trained actor. So that would kind of help me. And, and that has helped me in my short films, make a decision sometimes working with an actor. You know, because you like three of them, and then you've got these three headshots with these resumes on the back, and you're like, okay, well, how do I make this decision? Well, okay, well, she went to NYU, and that's something, you know. And I mean, it's a small thing, but, you know, if it's a close decision, it helps, you know. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. Do you think if for an independent uh, filmmaker is easier today? I mean, we go back to Spike Lee's movie, uh, that black and white film. She's got to have it. I mean, uh, no. which is groundbreaking during that particular time, and I, you know how it made it through the circuit um, to be a uh, movie. I mean, it's just probably mm-hmm. a favor or a fate. Do you think this, today we have the same equal opportunity, even more so today? than when Spike Lee got started? The general consensus right now, and I'm talking like like last year and like this year, is that it's right now more difficult, okay? Because the mm-hmm. economy is not great. People are not taking chances. They want to go with things that work. And there's pretty much everyone's got a feature film in their pocket now because they're like making movies on, you know, cheaper cameras. And, you know, you go and say, okay, I made a feature film, and now here it is, you know, and, and it probably sucks, right? So the, so the point is, though, there's so many films out there that it's it's harder to, you know, to get to something quality. Because before, if you just had a film, um, you know, you, you actually shot it on film. You shot it on 16 or Super 16, or you could record 35 millimeter. You shot it on that. And then right there, you were a little exclusive because, you know, you actually had a film, you know, and, and most people would not have a feature film because it's too expensive. So, I mean, I you know, that for that reason, I would say there's, it's a little more difficult now. And and on the other hand, there's also more talented people with an opportunity now to make a film, right? So there's, so although there's a whole bunch more of craft, there's a whole bunch more of, like, good films out there, too. So that makes it more competitive. And you know, if you look at submissions to Sundance, I can't, I can't remember the exact stat, but they're, like, ridiculous. I mean, they're, like, you know, I think seven, eight thousand or 10,000 films or something submitted, I mean... I don't know how the jury is watching all of those and making decisions. I don't know how they have the time and, and how that happens, but, they, but they've got a lot more laborious processes and decisions to make than ever before because there's so many more films, you know. Um, but that, that's a negative. I mean, the positive side is, um, you know, it is more democratic because it's cheaper. You know, you can actually kind of get a pretty high visual quality on, like, a DSLR camera, like, you know, like a Canon 5D or, you know, Nikon D800 with a serious lens on it, and you get a pretty cinematic image and, and you know, have it have the image be good enough to not only enhance the story, but to not get in the way of the story. Um, and um, you have a chance to show something, you know, or you do something short and you put it up on YouTube and it's phenomenal and then you get this sort of, viral following and you get discovered. So there is that opportunity which didn't exist before. So, you know, it's, again, it's hard to really answer, but I think those are, that would be a, a way of looking at it. You know, there's some, there's a change, and here's the good part about it, here's the bad part about it. You know? Well, I have one last question real quick. I'm going to take it 
from uh, Syracuse, New York. We're a small church, um, and we're looking at a video program. Is there a place that we can find? It was a long sentence. Where we can find, use good quality equipment, um, or where places we can find equipment that's, that's going to be discarded anyway um, mm-hmm. that we can get from uh, producers or from film studios? Um, yeah, I, I mean, there's standard rental houses. I mean, that's would you be simple and you look it up. But, I mean, there's a lot of people, you know, getting rid of old equipment because that's the nature also of the industry now where cameras change and you change your camera every three years and then you've got a pretty good camera that's just not as relevant now for, like, you know, being high level in the industry. So you get rid of it. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting rid of all my standard definition gear, you know, and, and um, I'm sure there's many people like that. Um, I mean, specific areas, I, I'm sure there's a bunch of really good deals on eBay, um, you know, if you wanted to buy something. Um, and, and you would have to just look up, you know, what camera specifically you wanted, you know, and, and type that in. And I'm sure there's like a million options, um, you know, for that. So I uh, hope that helps. Okay. And also there's an association they can come to contact as well. Is the Film Directors Association or Studios uh, Association? Um, there, there are, yeah. I mean, there's the DGA. There's, there's, um, there's, yeah, there's all kinds of, you know, directors associations online. But I think if you're just looking for gear, you know, and if you want to just get gear at a low cost or donated, um, I would just look, look up local, um, you know, film producers and directors of production houses that are getting rid of old gear. Um, you know, I look up eBay, Craigslist, et cetera. I mean, you know, you, you could get, you know, depending on their requirements, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly what camera they're looking for. Are they looking for something that's high definition? Are they looking for something in standard definition, you know, very user-friendly, like press record and scan, autofocus, or, you know what I mean? So depending on what okay. they wanted, um, you know, I would say the easiest thing would be to, to figure out a few products that you would ideally want and then, Type those in, and you probably get those uh, for low cost or even donated if they're, um, you know, three to five years old. You know? Okay, perfect. Anything you would like to leave us with uh, regarding your company, your studios, and things that you're coming out with? Um, well, right, right now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I finished those five short films, and I'm, I'm done with them in every sense of the word. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm. Um, doing commercial work now and uh just i just i did a few um music videos and concerts for uh electronic music productions uh, like like Steve Aoki, Dabsick, Dylan Francis which was like a new area for me which i really enjoyed doing um and actually we'll have those up online in about a month or so i'm in a research phase for a documentary on the Indian tiger because I'm originally from India, so the topic is important to me, and the tiger numbers are, are dwindling. So I go to a tiger reserve about once or twice a year, and I basically make a short film and uh, cut together my research and throw it up online. Eventually, that I'm going to, you know, make a formal feature-length documentary. Uh, but right now, I'm I'm just sort of going through the process of gathering information and and you know gaining skills about shooting in the jungle and specifically shooting big cats, which is a specific uh, skill. Um, and then I've got uh, Bailing and Honey, which we talked about. And um, if everything comes together, we should be shooting, you know, next year in the fall. 
um, and that's you know in the process of financing and um, yeah if anyone's interested in that you know just um, go to my website and shoot me an email and um, you know we can talk more about that as well. Great. Well, I really appreciate it. Thank you for coming on to the program. Oh, thank you, Tim. And just to give you a website again, just give us your website address again. It is. It's wfilms.biz. So you know, wfilms.biz. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much, Warren. I really appreciate you coming on the program. Okay, great. Thanks, Tim. Great. Thank you. Take care. Again, thank you all for listening to the Core Business Show. I'm Tim Jacquet, your host. You can download this this episode on iTunes or Blog Talk Radio. Uh, a transcript of this uh, conversation will be on blog.applecapitalgroup within 24 hours. Everybody, thank you for listening. Tim Jacquet, your host. Take care. You're listening to the Core Business Show. Thank you for listening to the Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet. For a free quote on equipment leasing and financing, visit our website, applecapitalgroup.com. That's applecapitalgroup.com. And fill out the information to receive your free quote. We hope you'll join us for our next episode. And remember, you can always get to the core via iTunes. You'll find all our previous episodes there. Thanks again for listening to the Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet.